Welcome to the Witness and Persecution Podcast with Nick and Ruth Ripkin, where we equip you with biblical principles and truths and practices learned from believers in persecution to help you cross the street and cross the oceans with the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Anthony Ball, and Nick is in the studio for this episode today. And Nick, I, uh, I know it's not a competition, but the last episode we recorded with Ruth was the highest one day uh, download number of any of our episodes. Uh, I think we're into episode number 36. And so I think you have big shoes to fill because people clearly wanted to hear what she had to say about um, hosting and biblical hospitality. <laughs> For 45 years, I have not tried to compete with Ruth. <laughs> one, I don't know if I told you, Anthony, but uh, the, one of our leaders of over all of North Africa and Middle East years ago came to Ruth and I and said, I've got a very important job. And it was a very big job. He says, so, uh, and, and Ruth and I were standing there. He says, do I give it to you or do I give it to Ruth? And I said, you give it to me. And he was just like, I hit him with a two before and he was just pale. And he said, I was going to give it to you, but now I don't think. I will. I said, I said, and I called him by his name. I said, uh, do you want somebody that makes good choices? He said, of course. That's a, one of the top priorities. I said, Ruth chose me to marry. I chose her. And he looked at her and smiled. He said, I will never give you an important job ever because <laughs> you chose this man to be your husband. And, and, and yes, since you are obviously the one that makes the better choices, you've got the job. And so I've been dealing with that for 45 years and I revel in it. You, you do, you play second fiddle really well. You, uh, do that. you know, I think it's the difference between her being first fiddle and me being a banjo player. You know, I don't even make it into the orchestra. We would love to hear that though. At some point yeah. you play the banjo. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that would really bless you. <laughs> well, we are called to make a joyful noise, so <laughs> it'd be perfect. Uh, well, Nick, I want to I want to jump into it because you know, speaking of you and Ruth, and um, you know, one of the things that you hit on a lot, and you guys teach us and model for us is going overseas, especially, but also just going on mission uh, together as a family. I mean, you, you teach that, you model that for us. There's a lot of biblical principles that you unpack for us about how to do this together as a family. So one of the questions I want to ask you today is um, you've, you've talked about, you know, going overseas. You've talked about being in some of these rural areas where you're kind of by yourself as a family and you're in maybe a rural area or you're in a place that um, it's just, it's very, very different from where you came from in your American culture. What what was it like to be an American family or a Western family going into these environments? What was the what were some challenges or what were some differences that you saw uh, in these environments? And what did you learn from that? How did that inform how you operated as a family and how you did ministry together as a family, learning from those early days in those rural parts of Africa? You know, Anthony, one of the things that um, both Ruth and I have noticed in being gone for over 35 years 
is how things have changed. Uh, uh, one of these days we'll talk about, you know, when we left uh, uh, in a week's time, there were many different uh, avenues for the church to meet and to be together and study the word together and uh, break bread together. And now I guess 95% of the churches we're in and visit of all sizes, uh, uh, they have come to believe that they can meet God and be with God's people, and it suffices for an hour on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And, and, and God help you if, if you go over that hour. And, 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 yeah. and a healthy church often uh, is how long people hang around uh, after the worship service is over. And, and, and a lot of places we go are, are like that. But uh, some places, especially with multiple services, uh, they're in and out. Uh, they have to empty the parking oh, yeah. lot. But the fact is, uh, when we left uh, 35 years ago, uh, there, were, there was no hesitation in giving us uh, 45 minutes of, of, the, of the service. And, and now some places give us 20. Usually the maximum is 30. And it's just, again, this whole concept that I can meet my spiritual needs of community and being fed in the community, uh, mm-hmm. hoping that they're feeding themselves at home, but though many aren't, and we've reduced that to an hour on Sunday morning. And so uh, this, uh, this whole way of worship we're going to have to talk about, but doing family in Africa uh, really reminds me of, 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 of rural America, and that's gone but the essence of relationships doesn't have to be sacrificed because uh, uh, living on the farms and ranches and things, uh, just the church was the center of community and things like that. We've lost that. But how do we replace mm-hmm. that? And, and there were so many ways that they taught me what it meant to be a man of God. And, and Ruth also and, and, and taught us how to be in community. Uh, but I, I, I did know this. I just didn't know it was going to bite me, uh, in close up. <laughs> and, and I, I, I led our listeners to, through the clicks of the close language, but in close culture in, in, in Southern Africa, uh, 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 here's what they do when the first born child comes along, the family the family of the husband come immediately after the birth of that child. And you're going to know that almost all of them are in the home by a local mm, yeah. midwife. Uh, medical care is almost non-existent. And, and, but uh, after the birth of that child, immediately uh, the, the family of the father of the man of the house, his mother and father and, and, and his siblings or, or maybe cousins, uh, a group of them come and stay with them for two weeks. Wow. Can you imagine? Your no, brand new I can't. baby, they come and stay with you for two weeks and they study uh, your home and they study your marriage and they study how you relate to any other children around you. But let's talk about the first child. They come and they study your marriage. They study your house. They study the essence of your marriage. And then they stay for two weeks, my friend, up to two weeks. 
And then there's this formal naming ceremony that takes place uh, around a great big meal. And they bring that child and hold that child up in, 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 in the church, uh, hold that child up before God. And, and they name that child, the, the husband's parents do. They have done this among themselves as the extended family. And then in front of the husband and wife, the, the brand new parents, they named that child according to what they found in that home, what they found in that marriage, wow. what, what they found in the relationships of people that come in and out of that home of how they talk and how they've organized their house. And that's why, my brother, you've got children among the close of people that is they're named love and mercy, and forgiveness, and, and, and all these beautiful names, uh, even the name of, of pretty, and beautiful, and closer, and you've got your firstborn child named divorce, oh, and no. mistrust, no. and hatred, and, wow. and, and words that mean bad things are coming. In, in Malawi, if I remember correctly, there was a picture word. All of this is in one word. And it means my husband is cheating on me. He does not know that I'm aware that he's cheating on me. But by naming our child this name, now he knows. And the whole community knows that I know he's been unfaithful to me. How would you like to go through life with that wow. name? That's and you've got kids name you've got kids names uh, are, is evil and shaitan uh, for satan uh, you, you've got some of the most beautiful soaring names ever in, uh, created by the holy spirit and you've got some of the gosh awful names that you cannot imagine and when the second oh. child is born uh, uh, the parents of your wife come and the appropriate family members and they stay with you 2 weeks and they study you with that first child. And they study what you're doing and how you're doing it. And then they have that formal meal and that setting down time where they formally name that second born child by the parents of your wife. It's a big deal. Right. It's, and, and they swap back and forth uh, succeeding children to parents of husband, parents of wife. And, and they may involve other family members as the extended family gets bigger and bigger. And then the day came and Ruth is pregnant with our third child. Now uh, we've had malaria so much in Malawi and we've had so much chemicals in our body. We've even been on in the same hospital room together with the two boys then and myself and Ruth, Ruth and I were sharing the same bed and twin and a half bed together and the boys are on a concrete floor and all four of us have malaria mm. so bad they put us on quinine ivs that's horrible they put that needle in your arm and when the quinine starts flowing through your veins your ears start start ringing and they do oh. that for 28 48 24 to 48 hours and it rings for the next two or three weeks and so they did that with the oh, two boys my. and ruth for the first 24 hours and I carried them to the bathroom down the hall and uh, I cleaned them and, and fed them and, and did everything I could. And then they went home with another worker 
And then it was my turn to go through this for 24 hours. And we stayed down country where there was no malaria with another worker's family. And we went back up in the mountains and the coast uh, uh, where we lived and where we worked. And 10 days later, our oldest son had malaria again. Mm. And, and so awesome. we're, you know, so we're, we're coming out of that culture and, and we're learning now the coastal culture in, in, in South Africa. And, and I, we had one of our best friends that did a lot of things with us who had lost her husband through a malaria related uh, medicine. Uh, she, they believe. And, 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 and when we got so sick, uh, she was one of the ones that called us and said, you've got to get out of here. I lost my husband to this mm. disease and, and I'm not going to lose some of my best friends. And that crystallized some things to us. Well, we're in South Africa now and we're learning the language and we're learning the culture. And we, we know how parents of the husband and the parents of the wife do this. What we never knew that was coming to our doorstep when the leaders mm. of our denomination, close leaders, uh, the, the 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 executive secretary president whatever they called him uh, of the Tosa Baptist Church uh, he and his wife came to us and said uh, well I told all that story is the doctors told Ruth she'd never be able to bear a child again because the chemicals mm. had so wrecked her body and weakened her body and all this and said uh, just wow. don't expect to ever get pregnant again and God knows I didn't know that. God heals. And uh, almost two years after we're sick for a year in South Africa, getting over malaria, our eyes were bloodshot. Uh, you know, there was just systemic problems going on. And, and almost two years after uh, uh, we're there and we moved out of the capital city and start building our house uh, in, in a very rural part. I can't say it's the bush because there's not any trees. It's pretty bare. And, wow. But a very rural place, and, and and Ruth got pregnant again. And as she began to show, the leader of our work shows up with his wife and says, uh, "We know this is the third child, but we we recognize how much you love us and and you want to be a part of us. So when this third child is born, we're going to name him, him or her. <laughs> we're going to come and stay with you for two weeks." And uh, my heart wow. about stopped. Well, you can imagine how invasive that feels. Absolutely. To a couple, we, we have two bedrooms and a living room and a kitchen and an office. And you know what Africans ask us all the time? Are you going to use all that space for yourself? <laughs> you know, almost every one of those bedrooms <laughs> would hold a family and they would share uh, the two bathrooms and share the kitchen space and, and, and just live in community, and they're just easy that way. And so they said, we're going to come and name your third-born son after living with you for uh, uh, two weeks, a child. We didn't know he was a boy at that time. And, and then they left, and I was so nervous, Anthony. I went to my sweet wife. I said, Ruth, if you want me to, after the baby's born and they come to study our home, I'll go somewhere for two weeks. So this baby has a better chance of getting a good godly name. And I was not a bad idea. Yeah, I was, I was, I was fairly serious about it. She said, you think I'm going to let you go through this? 
I'm going to go through this by myself. And so they came. They came. Wow. And at the end of the time, they stayed uh, at 10 days. They called for the feast. And so more family came because of the, up until then, we'd had four of them. Just after the baby came home. And we're wow. just trying to be like the local culture and be relaxed. And, and they get to watch us at our devotions. And they get to watch us praying with our kids. They get to watch Ruth and I, how we act toward one another. There's, there's no rock they don't turn over. And, and nothing mm. that's off limits to them, really. Uh, uh, and, 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 and so, uh, they come to us at the end of that 10 days and, and we, uh, uh, they prepare this big, uh, uh, feast and, and other people come to our house and they said, uh, uh, and they made some, uh, introductory remarks and said, we, we've never had, we've got white people that speak our language in order under apartheid to tell us what to do but you're the first white people that we have experienced that are learning our language because they love us and they love our people enough that they want to be able to tell them who Jesus is in their heart language and not make them have to use the language of a, uh, of a, of a race that feels superior to them. And so they said, uh, we're naming mm. this baby uh, Siyabulela. And I, I, my heart almost stopped with joy because I recognized that word. It's in a lot of their praise songs. And, and, and it's in a lot of their, wow. their, their, their conversations. Like you, you might say something to them about uh, a blessing that had happened or uh, some experience in a church. And, and somebody would say, oh, or it's more of the past tense. And, 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 and it means we are thankful to God. We were praising God. Wow. And, and the derivative of that, of Siyabulela, is Sabu. And, and that's what everybody, the kids, began to call our son as he grew. And, and that's what he uses for his, his name. And it's, it's, his, it's, it's, his, uh, it's on his website. It's his email. Uh, uh, Sabu as a, is like Bill is to William. And, 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 wow. that just, and that boy is is tribal to the core. He belongs to community. I can't explain. You do something to one of his friends, you've done it to him, and he would come home from school. For a short period of time, we were in Germany, uh, living inside of a, one of the boarding schools. Uh, we had an apartment downstairs, and he came home one day and talked about a teacher that was very abusive to him. And, 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 and when he finished, we said, oh, we can't let this go. We will make an appointment tomorrow. Tonight, we'll go make some phone calls. And tomorrow, we will go and talk to this teacher because she can't treat you this way. She can't say this to you. He said, Dad, Mom, she didn't do this to me. I wasn't even in the room. She did this to one of my friends. But I will hope you, it's hard for you to understand as American, that was done to him because he belongs yeah. to that friend. He right. belongs to that friend's home. He, he doesn't see himself as a separate entity. He is that African to the core. We bring him home. He's 22 months old when he comes to America for the first time. 
And we go to the precursor of Amazon. Amazon doesn't exist then. But you go in this, I don't even remember the store's name, but you go and look at the stuff they have on the shelves and you go and, and pay for it. And then it comes out on a conveyor belt and you pick it up and take it home. Well, wow. we lost track of our two-year-old son. It was in a closed space. And all of a sudden we hear uh, the voice of a little African-American girl screaming, Mama, Mama, Daddy, Daddy, come get this white boy off of me. And I said, oh, no, no, no. And I go around looking down the lines of the shelf, and there was our two-year-old son. He had This is the first little black girl that he'd seen since coming to America, and he assumed she was a, a Tosa speaker, and he had tackled her, and he was laying on top of her. She was three, he was two, and he's just talking Tosa to her and loving on her and telling her how much he's missed her and, and her distinguished black parents came around the corner and looked at this and, and I, I explained to them uh, we are missionaries and where we lived and what was going on and they didn't buy it. They did not buy oh, it. No. That he was blessing her and loving her and how excited he was because he thought uh, that she was someone else like him uh, from South Africa. And so when they named him Sabu and Siabulela, it, it, it was a, 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 a really a great day. But I, I did actually tell my wife it might be better if I leave home so we have a chance to get um, a better name. Now, I don't have to really unpack this. You know where this is going. If you're sitting and listening to this and, and you might be single, I hope, I hope that you'll somehow write this into your, your worldview. And if you're married and you're about to have children or you have children, if people who love Jesus in the same way that you love Jesus and believed in community in a way that's far greater than perhaps you believe in community, but if they came and stayed with you for two weeks and studied your marriage and, and studied the, the, the rhythm of your life and your marriage and your parenting, uh, what, would, what kind of names would your children have today? Wow. Uh, some of them would have a name like, we don't ever eat a meal together. Or mm. their names might be Rush, mm. Rush, 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 Rush. A lot of them would have godly names and wonderful names and even biblical names. And, uh, but, but I think it does bear uh, beating uh, the horse that's already down, but asking, you know, because you know what, Anthony, people are studying our lives and they are watching our right. children. Hmm. And, 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 and the way that they name your children, it, it, that name, that name is supposed to endow that child with the essence of that name. That mm. naming our third born. Now, we did give him a, a, an English American name. He's named after my wife's father uh, uh, and, and, uh, and, and named after middle name after one of my brothers. And so, he, but, but the name that he treasures 
is the one that spoke into his heart and speaks into his essence that the name they gave him Mm. is a name of belonging, a name of praising God, a name of always Mm. being in the presence of God and lifting up the name of God. And, and, and he has that sense of belonging to something that's much broader than even his own family, that, that if something happened uh, to his biological family, he still has a home. He has wow. a place and a people to go to. You, you know, I, I should have learned that, uh, but I didn't as well as I should have. Uh, we had some, we're living in the same house in which our third son came home to, uh, born in the capital mm. city in, in a hospital. And then we brought him home and, 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 and to the house that we had built and, and, and a very distinguished family with two or three kids in our community, important businessmen, uh, people. And, and we invited them to our home for a meal and they came and, and we have two uh, seasons. We have a uh, dry season, which is extremely hot. We would take our sheets off our bed, put them in the shower, mm. get them really damp, put them on the bed, get in the bed and be cool for at least two or three hours until the sheets dried out. And then we we had no electricity at night, so we couldn't even run a fan. I tried these little mm. fans that you clamp on the dash of your truck, you know, or, or your car on a battery. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it sounds like an airplane taking off or like a mosquito on steroids. Uh, and it only lasts for about an hour. And then you're all sweating all again. And, and then we have a, a, a rainy season, which up in the mountains, in the distance, we can see snow on the mountains and, 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 wow. and, and, and water freezes. And, and, and we push uh, uh, um, uh, gas heaters from room to room that we're staying in the kitchen or the living room. Or, uh, and we turn the generator on for a couple hours a day. The kids can watch a video. Uh, uh, we can put some juice into the freezer that we had. But this distinguished family came, and, and I just hung up their coats. And I turned to our three sons, and I said to one of them, listen, I've already told you two or three times, put your toys away. And I said to the other one, uh, you know, I've told you to uh, hang up your clothes, and you need now to go do that. And, and I said to the third one, uh, I've asked you three or four times to go in and, and see if your mother uh, needs some help. And that couple and their children, without saying a word to each other, stood up. And they walked to mm. where their coats are hanging. And they started to put their coats on. And I said, what are you doing? They said, we're leaving. I said, you haven't even said hello to my wife yet. You haven't even greeted her. Why, why in the world are you leaving? They said, we've watched you with your kids for almost a year now. And you're a good father. And you're a patient father. You're a, a loving husband and father. And now it's obvious that our presence is making you nervous because you're disciplining your children in a way We've never seen you treat them this way. It has to be our presence here that's making mm. you treat them in a way you don't treat them if we're not here. I said to them, please, I'm begging you, don't leave. My wife's going to kill me. <laughs> please. And, and mm. I took their coats and I hung it up. And I learned a life's lesson. 
You know what they taught me? They taught me yeah. why I, us, and many in America, why we discipline our children. One of the major reasons we discipline our children, we give them more stuff than they can handle. Mm. Uh, we, we give them more food than they can eat. And, and then we, and I get on them because they haven't put their toys away. They haven't hung their clothes up or fold them up and put them in their drawers or, or, or they haven't cleaned their plates up. And in, in, in 35 years, especially in rural Africa, and they would like it different. But uh, you know what, Anthony? Uh, uh, if, if a child uh, uh, take if his, if a child's having his clothes washed, he's usually naked as a young child mm. because he only has that one set of clothes. You know, wow. Anthony, if that child has a, a toy truck or something that they push uh, made out of wire that they've collected or and they're so ingenious, they make little helicopters. If they have a toy, two mm. or three of those village boys have made it out of scraps by hand and they cherish that one toy and they share it. And I've never wow. seen, I've never seen a, a, a rural African child uh, not virtually lick his plate clean. Uh, you know, maybe he gets meat once a month and, and they mm -hmm. do everything they can to put good food on the table. But most of the rural places, if they have a job, if they have any disposable income, when we went there, they made a dollar a day. A dollar a day. Wow. Can you live on 30 bucks? 31 bucks? Uh, can no you make way. life uh, that, that ba basic? And, and, and so uh, when they mm. eat their food, uh, uh, they're always wishing that they had, had more. That's why when we go to a village, the price sticker, Anthony, is on the cups that the tea's in. It's on the plate that they serve us meat on. It's on all the dishes. Uh, they go and borrow money so that they can feed us a great portion of their monthly income because their hospitality, uh, they will fight to host us. And it's an honor. And my wife has such a big heart. Early on, she would say, now, Nick, you need to leave some money here. These folks have really sacrificed. I said, Ruth, I will never shame them by doing this. Uh, they, they fought to have us, and, 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 and they are honored that we're here. And, and I can't take away the joy of their sacrifice by demeaning it and making little of it by paying them for keeping us. It's not, I, I grew up so poor, I, I knew that's not something that I could do. And, and being the sensitive learner that she is, she, her big heart and mine got together really quick. But I, I, I convinced that family uh, uh, to take out their coats, take off their coats and let me hang them up again. And that I would relax, and I did relax, and, and just let kids be kids. And, mm. and, and, and I realized, again, why did I discipline my boys is I gave them stuff that's too much for them to handle. I gave them too many toys. Right. I, I gave them too many clothes. Uh, that, that they, they, and, and the food that they left on the table 
that we had heaped on their plates in such abundance at their age, it was impossible for them to consume them. And, and I learned, I learned one of the major reasons, the two reasons why we discipline our children the way we do is two reasons, Anthony. One is I've had a really bad day and I take it out on my children. Because mm. I know better than take right. it out on my wife. That doesn't pay too many dividends. That's true. And, That's and, true. And, and so the reason I discipline my children is I have a bad day and I take it out on them and I call it Christian discipline. And secondly, I discipline my children because I've overwhelmed them with the stuff of this world and they don't have the physical, moral, mental capacity to find a place for all that stuff. That's right. Uh, we have mentored hundreds of new workers overseas and I've watched them. Uh, almost all the couples fall into this trap and especially us dads. And I can't tell you how many scores of time that I've watched somebody in my home and the, the, how rough they were in language to their kids or how they said, don't you dare break that. Or if they broke something, how wait till I get you home. And, you know, and all, all of this, you know, uh, just emotional pressure. And, and I usually uh, watch that. I don't embarrass a guy in front of his wife or his children, but I ask that guy, that father, the husband, Hey, can we have some, time together tomorrow or the next day and and it always works out and i said you know tell him a little bit of my story and i said i, I watched you yesterday uh, discipline your child in front of other people can you tell me why you felt you needed to do it at that time and he'll say well he, i told him not to pick up something and he picked it up and or, you know, he, he, he didn't clean up his plate that you all went to a great deal of trouble to. And, and I, I asked him, I'll ask the, uh, these dads, I said, how was your day before you came to my house? It was a hard day. Mm. It was a hard day. And I will ask, do you see any relationship between what you said to your child in my house yesterday and the bad day that you were having? Now, there'll be a few times when that person's going to be mad at me for a few days. But these are good people. <laughs> and I'll ask them, will you go home and talk about this with your wife? And if you need to, would you ask your kids some questions? And they, in, in, in 35 years on the mission field, once we knew this was going on in our own hearts, and we knew that no one else would want to do this and be in this trap that we were in when we came to Africa, that I've learned to ask them these questions and a hundred percent of them have uh, in a, uh, just a few days come back to me and said, I need to confess to you. I was having a really bad day or I need to confess to you. Mm. We've just come back from furlough and our kids haven't had the things of this world uh, much since where we're living doesn't have them. And so we just loaded up on it on furlough and we filled a container with the stuff and we've got so much stuff for our kids in the house. There's no way they can manage it. 
And so when we get big, we fill our garages, we fill our houses, we fill a storage <laughs> room that we pay for with stuff that, right. that we, we have no space for it in our house. And, 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 and we got so much stuff, we can't manage it. And, 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 and we know something because of this. If we don't get young couples to come overseas as a family and singles also, usually by the time that they're 30, we don't get them because they've got credit cards maxed out. They've got a house payment that's significant and they own a mortgage on a couple cars and they're in so much debt by the time they're 30 years of age, they can't get out of debt enough to be obedient to God and go overseas and mm -hmm. be a worker. They can't. Wow. By the time they're 30 years of age, they don't expect to own their house because nowadays when I grew up, it's not about that, but when I grew up, they would ask you, you know, how much debt are you willing to incur? And now I heard them asking these young couples, how, how, how much more in monthly payments can you afford? Mm. It's not about debt. Big difference. It's a huge difference in that. And, and, and a pastor, when I was talking to him, when we were getting ready to buy or build our first ever house, we were in Florida. And I looked on Zillow and I looked at the price of the house. And then I looked at the price of what the house would cost after I made 30 years of payments. And I was out of my mind. And I asked my best friend, I said, is this, this can't be true, is it? He said, this is exactly the way it is. And all of this interest goes up front. And there was five young couples having a meal with us. And we were off to the side. And he asked those five Christian couples, he said, guys, let me have your attention. How many of you expect mm -hmm. to ever own your home? And it didn't take them hardly an instance. They said, we'll never own our homes. We don't even know if we'll ever own a car because we'll trade it in before we paid it off. And, and so how can we get people to go and be obedient to the Great Commission if we have so much stuff? And how do we raise our children in godly ways if we overload them? And I know it's an expression of our love. It's an expression of, 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 of what we want for them, but it's also an expression of what marketing does to us and what the TV mm. throws at us and what our right. neighbors might have. And, and, and so I'm just asking our listeners, will you just take this to heart and, and pray about it as maybe go talk to your spouse or if you're single, uh, just help us who are married as you listen to us and as you perhaps uh, in your future, if, if it's God's will for you to marry uh, again, I believe the two major reasons why we discipline our children are not biblically based. It's based in a culture that gives our kids so much stuff and so much food that they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to hang up all of their clothes, fold it and put it away, put their toys neatly away. And Anthony, that's not the point. Let's, let's say if they, if they can do that, should they? Mm. Should they? Yeah. 
I, I, I got a bag of candy for Christmas, a small, what would be a Ziploc bag now. Each one of us, seven kids, as they all came along, we got a piece of fruit. We got one piece of clothing and we got like a plastic truck or tractor or, or something like that. And I never knew that I was mistreated. Now, our family was that poor. Often what I got under the Christmas tree was a ball of twine. And when I unrolled that twine, it went out the living room window. It went down the hill behind our house, went into the barn uh, behind our house. And it was around a calf's neck or a baby pig's neck. And wow. I was given that animal to raise so that at Thanksgiving or Christmas, the family could eat it. <laughs> but I enjoyed raising these critters so much that, and knowing that this was what life was like. So it wasn't a, a big deal and I, I wasn't mistreated, but I, uh, but when I married and I got into Christian culture and I came into homes for the first time and the Christmas presents go halfway up the tree I never understood that, and today I don't understand that. Mm. I, I, I don't understand Christian culture that will go into debt uh, to give their kids things that will turn around and discipline them because we gave it to them. Wow, Let me tell that's you, a really good point. In 35 years in Africa, I never saw one child spanked except once huh. and we're driving really? out in the bush and all of a sudden our oldest son yells in terror dad stop the car dad stop the car dad you've got to stop this you've got to stop this you've got to stop this and i i slammed on the brakes on the dirt road and and, and i'm looking around for some danger and i can't see it I, and i said to our oldest son what, what is it he said look at that house look at that porch and on the porch of this uh, uh this very small it wasn't a hut but it was a small little house a father uh, had a stick and was spanking his child with it our kids had never seen that they knew that wow. was that was uh, 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 so anathema to that whole culture it just shocked their socks off and and they wanted me to go over and stop it but in 35 years in all the cultures that we've been in only one time have we ever seen a kid physically disciplined they were disciplined mm. by the tone of the voice, uh, the dissatisfaction of, of a grandmother or a grandfather, someone that when their actions were such, uh, that grandparent, that parent, that aunt, that uncle took them in arms or walked them out into the woods and, and told them of a better way of being and told them about how not to disappoint uh, their creator. And how not to disappoint their father and mother. And, and, and this was often done in, in private. And, and, and to say that in 35 years, how many thousands of places and millions of people that we walked among and we've only seen at a distance. And it was our older son that saw it in the bush. We've only seen one kid physically disciplined because they don't give their kids uh 
they don't have enough clothes. They they don't have to worry about putting it away, and and and, and they they don't have to worry about uh, cleaning their plates or or putting their toys away. But but that is the result. The cause is from a very early age they're taught to love and respect uh, their family, and they're taught about. Mm being obedient and what it means to be a man and be a, a young lady and a young man. And, 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 and the worst thing that, uh, that would break their heart is see a frown on the face of their old grandmother or their grandfather or, or to see that they've disappointed their father or mother or aunt or uncle. And it's, it's those tender relationships that discipline our hearts more like the Holy Spirit does than anything uh, god has never physically beat me mm. but he sure has shown his disappointment in me and his dissatisfaction and when i look at the cross and realize how much i've let my father down that's when i vow mm. not to ever do that again and so i think I think honoring your mother and father, which is the first commandment uh, with a blessing attached to it, uh, that, that that is the foundation of how to raise our children is to be in parents and grandparents worthy of honor, worthy of respect. Wow. Right. Speak with that soft voice that turns away wrath the Bible says, and, and, and yet we quote that Bible verse to spare uh, the rod. I don't know if it's a Bible verse or not. Uh, spare the rod. Yeah, it is. You, You're you right. Spoil, you spoil the children. Uh, I, I think a rod leaves really pretty horrible marks. And so there is an increased uh, among conservative Christians since I've been home. Uh, use of physical discipline. Well, you're parents of your children. I'm not. I, I'm just telling you, uh, uh, go to Africa. Uh, do that yeah. in front of the community there of believers and non-believers and let them perhaps coach you in a way that makes sure uh, when children are disobedient, and when they exercise their fallenness at the certain ages, then I think you need to speak into that. But if our discipline of them is based upon the stuff that we give them, then I think uh, the discipline is ours to bear, not our children's. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, that's uh, that's to, really. No, go ahead. I'm just saying that's that's just today my wanting to bring Africa's heart home to a culture that is so abusive to its children that sells mm. their children uh, in as sex slaves and. And, and on the news last night, again, uh, was the arrest of a man and a woman that had killed their infant child here where we live. Mm. And, and, and the same thing, I was down in Florida for four days and 
watched the news and saw some of the same thing there. And I, I think, I think Africa has learned to do this because of perhaps a lack of resources, but we can limit the resources that we have and we think we need that causes us animosity toward others and causes us mm. uh, uh, to discipline those we love because of the stuff that we've given them that they're not old enough to manage. Mm. And they carry that all the way in to adulthood. Wow. That is a, uh... Not only they're really wise words, but I don't think I've thought of those perspectives ever until you said that. That, you know, what is the root of how we act towards them is our fault, not theirs. Yeah, you just want wow. to think about what what is the precipitating factor that the child is getting the blame for. Again, it, it may be, again, a, a little heart that's showing some signs of rebellion, but uh, I, I think there are also spiritual, biblical ways of, uh, I know the way our boys grew up, they would do anything on earth to keep from disappointing their mother mm. because they loved her Probably so much. Probably still do. And she could look at them. And that would mean so much more than any kind of physical discipline could ever be because they know how much that we love them. And they know when they look at their mother, for sure, there was someone that would die for them over and over again. Mm. They hate. I love that. They hate to watch their mother cry. Mm. Especially, well, they should too. Especially if they are uh, the precipitators of those tears. <laughs> I don't doubt it. And I, I love how the, just the, that community, uh, aspect and what I, you know, we've talked about this before and I think you've mentioned this in, in different podcasts, but just the idea that what, the, the the wisdom and the insight coming from this particular episode is because when you went overseas, maybe you went with the intention to, to teach others and to, you know, to kind of be the, the one who brings something to somebody else. But in, in reality, this wisdom and insight comes from the fact that you learned from these other cultures, you learn from these other people. And I, I can't help but but wonder or think maybe that uh, a, a big aspect of when we go in obedience to these other places, sometimes it's not just for us to take something, but it's for us to some, to bring something back and to learn and to, to humbly uh, say, what do these believers have to teach me that I don't quite know or I don't quite get right yet? What if our investment in others overseas will never equal God's investment to us. Wow, that's a powerful thought. Now, what if our investment overseas will never equal God's investment in us, our local people's investment in us? Mm. 
that's uh you know that challenges a lot of uh missions strategies <laughs> well that's a challenging word well i mean why do we go because we think we know it all or because we seek to know more and to experience more and and i know the arrogance that i went with and i know that my wife always says to new people they ask her about going she says go with your hands open and your heart open mm-hmm. and go go as a learner uh, don't don't go as someone that knows it all and we'll talk more about specifically how this plays out in church planning witness but again the 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 essence of of the body of Christ is in the home and the mm. majority uh, the majority when the body of Christ meets is coming sunday the majority of uh, the majority place in which it will meet will be in homes around the world in the chinas right uh in the indias uh, in sub-saharan africa in south america uh, making your house the center of worship rather than mm. the center no i don't want to say that because we don't make it the center of discipline but i i do want us to worship more than we do than we extend the rod i want us to extend mm. the love and 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 take children up in my lap now and say you know you broke your mom's heart today and you broke my heart today how can we fix this hmm. wow that 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 leads to a a biblical conversation and that leads a father to holding his son and praying with them and having them pray to god and listening to that prayer and so your discipline leads to a changed heart rather than a broken heart. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. That's we, my, we may need to get you to uh, write a parenting book. That's my that's my tweet for the day. Yeah, I'd put my I would put my <laughs> photograph on the front of the book and say, "Don't be like this man." <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Well, Nick, I, we appreciate your time today, and we appreciate you bringing a little bit of Africa back to here, and uh, just that insight on community and being a part of community. And in all honesty, I, I, I just I am still kind of working through what you said. I wrote it down. I said the meaning of the child, a child's name, reflects the essence of the family. Wow, and. We don't see that unless we're in community. We don't see that unless people are in our lives and in our homes and vice versa. We we don't get to live out that truth uh, and if we're not in community. And so we need to bring a little bit of Africa over here. And we need to put that in our homes, our churches, and our lives. Yeah, I, I just, love that. Uh, well, I then, do too. Thank you, Anthony, for hosting mm-hmm. us today. You're welcome. Thank you to our listeners for uh, hanging with us. And we pray that there's something that can be very um, practical and beneficial to you today. Um, So we thank you for listening. And uh, Nick, thank you so much. 
and we'll see what the numbers are this week. But uh, I think Ruth is probably still going to beat you. But uh, we do love the fact that we can get sometimes one, sometimes the other, sometimes both of you uh, to really hone in and take some time to zero in on these truths that we've learned from other cultures, believers in persecution, to help us live out uh, our obedience to Jesus. Yeah, we Ruth, love and it. I, Ruth and I stopped competing with each other a long time ago, uh, and, and we revel in each other's successes. And we realize that when each one of us fail, it's probably the other one didn't carry us the way that we should have been carried. But we just, uh, I just revel in the fact that, uh, um, that God saw my need and saw my heart and brought Ruth into it. Mm. Well, we all are because that's why we're here today. There we are. So that's right. We're so deeply appreciative of that. Go hug. Well, Nick, thank you so much for your time. Go hug your kids. I will. You too. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you to our listeners today. This has been Witness and Persecution, and we will be with you next time.